was live. There we go. Why have I quit my job? Why have I, you know, bought a van? And, and why am I going to drive around the country? Well, I'm passionate about the idea that you need to be heard. And I want to stitch these stories together across the states. We're going to find the commonalities. And it's going to be really an amazing experience. And I look forward to you joining me on the job. Trying to find that spot for the microphone where it looks good. Got it, got it propped up here on my um, on my supplement, my vitamin supplement. <laughs> good morning. Hey, everybody. How are you? Uh, welcome back to Mental Health Today. Another great episode lined up. Um, really excited. And But first off, real quick, make it over to the mhtpodcast.com website. Check out our new website. We're just kind of poking around. We don't quite have the email piece in, but it's a good time to go check it out. Uh, if you like what you saw on the, the previous little commercial there, go to the jar.live. And that is my kind of regular podcast where I'm traveling around the country, interviewing people in their homes about, you know, real life topics, heavy stuff. And those conversations led me to realize the mental health crisis that we're in the middle of. And how can I find some piece, some way that I can do my little part uh, in this part of the world to kind of help affect it. And so part of that is going through LinkedIn and a big grind, as I was just kind of describing to our next guest, Jessica, you know, this, this giant filter process, I've got 350,000 people who have made it through my filter and you know, going through one name by one name and then kind of finding out who to invite and, and looking to see who they are and what they're doing in the space and then what value would they have to somebody listening like yourself, you know, and a big welcome to people listening live and anybody listening live. And then of course, anybody that listens to this uh, as an audio podcast on all the, on the major platforms. So I've got Jessica, uh, our next guest, and she's, she's in the recruitment business really. Uh, and I'll let Jessica kind of describe it a little more eloquently than that. Uh, but she is helping fill positions and find people, uh, for for certain parts of the industry, and we'll get into that. But I was really attracted uh, to this story, Jessica, because you've seen, like I was describing before offline, before mental health, the mental health crisis, or mental health was kind of a cool thing to talk about. Uh, before you know, people like myself jumped into the pool, and you're seeing it now. So you're seeing that you know maybe different kinds of recruits. Uh, you're seeing different kinds of people coming into the space. Are people being attracted? Are they being versus before where it was like a job that they went to for some other reason? You know, so what are the motivations to get into the space? Who's financing all this? Where are your customers? Have their customers changed from four years ago, five years ago? Who's banging on your door now to say, I need, we need bodies. You know, are, is it regional investment firms? I was kind of, uh, I was demagoguing, um, maybe demagoguing is the wrong word. I was kind of making fun of or dark clouds around the Black Rocks, you know, and are the Black Rocks moving in? And are you seeing that kind of stuff? People that are going to go in, move up space and, and just deliver profits and ROIs, but maybe less on the good reasons why they're in the space. But I got really educated on that recently. So I'm a little bit more hopeful on that. But Jessica, after that long, super long dialogue, welcome to the show. Thanks for being a guest. Um, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about yourself? And, yes. you know, thanks, Ken. I appreciate it. Uh, my name is Jessica Ashley. I'm the founder and owner of Vineful Recruiting. I've been working in behavioral health since 2011. Uh, so, started wow. out 
very young, very naive in behavioral health. Um, yeah. I come from a long family line of substance use and mental health issues. And interesting. Uh, the age of 21 really kind of dived into it. I was in nursing school at the time and uh, took a job with a very prominent uh, substance abuse treatment company in the Southeast. Right. Worked in admissions from the ground up for that person first called and said, hey, I need help. Wow. Um, and really worked, you know, it was an amazing opportunity. And I uh, graduated nursing school and realized I didn't want to be a nurse. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to be a nurse. Um, but I loved it was passionate about behavioral health and substance use. I'm like, this okay. is where I want to stay. Okay. This is where I want to be at. Um, so I took a promotion to oversee healthcare marketing. You know, how do we facilitate conversations with our social workers in our hospitals, our physicians, our charge nurses, huh. our therapists, our community to be able to really open the access door for patients needing services? You know, what does that look like? Mm. Um, over the years, I've moved around a little bit and helped open up some additional treatment centers, some new service lines of businesses, uh, and COVID hit in 2020. Um, and I think COVID kind of changed the landscape for a lot of us at the time. Yeah. And um, it was a way for me to kind of take a pause after about 10 years of business development and sales and say, hey, maybe now's a good time to kind of pause a little bit. Uh, so started doing healthcare recruiting and opened up uh, a behavioral service line with the agency I was with at the time mm -hmm. and really worked with a lot of my old, you know, colleagues. And I was seeing things from a different perspective. Um, and that was really unique as, you know, over the years I've watched, you know, staff members either lead or derail someone's treatment journey. You know, it's, be able to be very tactful of, you know, catching at the door, your feelings and stuff. And mm. you know, one amazing staff member, just maybe a five minute conversation with a patient who's really struggling that day can really alter and change their treatment trajectory. But I've also seen, you know, maybe a bad, you know, clinician or nurse just having a bad day. And, you yeah. know, we took those things out of that patient and how it just can derail it. Um, so for me, it's really important. It's not just filling positions. It's really finding the right people for that facility. Because at the end of the day, those patients mm. are, you know, it's my family's the way I look at it. It's my mom, dad, brother, and sister. And I would hope they have, yes. the best, you know, staff members around them as we can. Um, and so about a couple months ago, Mindful Recruiting opened. And we work with all types of level of businesses from the small independent treatment centers. Okay. Up to, you know, venture capitalist groups. And everyone has different needs. And their businesses are very different. And I think it's really important is understanding that it's a very different landscape, whether it's, you know, a nonprofit, for-profit, there's a lot of different. Yes. There. What kind of, what's the difference in people coming? I, I guess there's two things, two parts of this question, maybe um, the kinds of people coming into the space, newer, maybe the new people, right? The new therapists and, or people, anybody, I guess, within that you're placing and, Maybe what's the difference you see between them now and five years ago? And then maybe the motivation. So maybe the kind of people and, and who's coming in and why versus I mean, five years ago. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I always often refer back to COVID. It's one of those, I think COVID changed so much for us. And, you know, what I saw happen was such a huge positive when it came to the mental health space. Yes. It yes. opened the floodgates up. Mm -hmm. It wasn't something that was hid so much behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. It brought it to the mainstream. You've got employers yeah. now. Everyone's talking about it. It's a topic of conversation at any, any kitchen table. Um, with that, though, it's the need for mental health services has grown so much. 
And unfortunately, you know, having enough staff members, credentialed people to keep yeah. up with the demand now. And then that's kind of where we're at. It's really that supply and demand issue. Um, years ago, we would always have, it was easy to find therapists, clinicians, nurses, things of that nature. But now there's so much more competition with other competing agencies and you have telehealth now. And so a lot yes. of, in, you know, in-person services, those are the ones that are really, really struggling with the finding staff members right now. Um, that's been the biggest one. And I think we've had a lot of really young, eager individuals coming in the space who, you know, they were in college during COVID. They saw it, the whole kind yes. of change the emotion, have their right there with it. And there's a lot of really, really good energy coming from clinicians that are like, hey, we see that, we see it, we feel it. Let's make a difference. Um, so it's, been, it's an exciting thing to watch right now. Yeah, that has been some of the, some of my early interviews, uh, I interviewed a lot of, a lot of um, therapists mm -hmm. and owners and small shops. And that was the interesting part. A lot of young women. Yeah. And a and weird kind of flip side of that is I was talking to um, a colleague here recently, last couple of days is, you know, a typical trajectory for a therapist, you know, post-graduation, they'd have their master's degree. They'd have to give three years to supervision, depending on the state. Okay. And they tell me we're working for some type of treatment facility, whether it's a hospital, inpatient program, partial, anything of that nature. And they were getting okay. hours to be fully licensed. That was part of their trajectory. Okay. And once they were licensed, a lot of them would go into independent practice for themselves. They'd be their business okay. owners. In COVID, you know, they couldn't do in-person services. So, you know, some of the rules, the laws kind of got a little lapse there during the time. So we had so many go straight into work for themselves, their business owners oh. themselves. And so we kind of lost in a little way a, a space of those clinicians yeah. in-person services. So that's been a very different kind of trajectory. You know, self-employment business owners right now on therapy, it's high. Um, very, very high right now. And that'll adjust the salaries. Right? It does. The only, I mean, the only the only way to I mean the only way to I mean, how do you how do you tempt Un, how do you untempt somebody from starting their own practice in home remote with a color, a couple of her girlfriends, you know, so they all go in together and there's five of them and they start a practice. How do you get those people to go s come to some clinic where they have to meet people face to face? They're not a boss. Why? Yeah. I don't think there's a way of talking them out of it. I think <laughs> oh if someone is, has an entrepreneurial spirit about them. They know what it's going to take. I always encourage them, you know, but also yeah. a lot of them we're seeing now who, you know, they were so excited about being self-employed. They work for themselves, you know, were able to work remote, but they didn't really understand the business aspect. So when it comes to getting credentialed by insurance companies, payers to marketing, mm. um, we'll have a lot of therapists right now who went uh, in private practice during, you know, right at post COVID. And they were, they're saying, Jessica, I don't have enough patients to survive into practice. Oh, and that's been a huge thing we're seeing the last probably mm. year is you know, it was great for a while. And now it's like, I don't have enough patients on my books to, to oh. be my family. Um, right. And COVID. Yeah. And COVID you're, you're flush. Right. But now and it's so post COVID. Kind of settling keep... it out a little bit. And so oh. several are going back to, you know, full-time employment, you know, full eight hour work day. Yeah, um, yeah. In services or and maybe making a mixture of in-person versus telehealth. Um, mm -hmm. That's been the most common thing we're seeing lately. Are people, uh, so has, is it peaked? Do you think the telehealth, has it peaked for a while? Or, or people want to go back and face to face? I think it depends.
depends on the individual. I think there's, you know, pros and cons to both of it. Um, telehealth to me, I think it opens the doors for a lot of people to access care who may not have been able to. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. For sure. And also in areas where, you know, if someone might need an eating disorder or specific therapist, there's not one in their area. You know, be able to have telemedicine now, it opens that platform up uh, to yeah. really be able to work with therapists that can meet the needs of that patient, you know, where they may yeah, know I never thought of that, but they're really able to get to the nitty gritty or if you're in, you know, a yeah. heavy military based town, you're able to connect directly with people who've got, you know, history with work with veterans. Mm-hmm. I, it's opening those specific niches up so much more for them to access care. Who's investing right now? Who's your newest cost? What does your newest customer look like? Well, which one? <laughs> we I mean, to- from a, I, I mean, kind of very benign, very, you know, yeah, it can be very gray. So we started uh, new customers this week. Um, some of them, I've got two heavy venture capitalist back organizations and they're looking mm-hmm. to grow and they're going through some of the growing challenges where, you know, the demand is what it is. Salaries are very high and it's how can we grow? How can we increase salaries and still make profit? So we able to invest back in the company. And then we also have, you know, small organizations who are, you know, three or four therapists in their practice and they're looking to grow and expand. Um, so it's not just mm. um, the Black Rocks, I think is what you called it, the VC-backed companies who are really working yeah. with recruiters, just everyone right now. Um, we even have nonprofit organizations and it's so competitive right now because there's such a need across the board. You've got to have every tool in your toolbox. Um, and we customize solutions mm. for, you know, a nonprofit to a for-profit, you know, heavy VC by company to make something that makes sense for them. You know, what's going to work in their budget so they can still have access to the top talent everyone else is competing for as well. That's such a strange conversation, right? <laughs> that people are competing for top talent in mental yeah. health. <laughs> it's insane it really is so. i mean could you imagine like you didn't have this on your bingo card in 2023 right you know back back in 2018 you didn't think you'd be saying things like this in 2017 no in 2020 yeah. yes it was yeah yeah sure 2020 it started, right? yeah it started it, in 2020 for sure but in 2017 you never imagined no. i'd be saying yeah and on all the big heavy hitters and the vcs are all coming in and compete with yeah. the talent like, it, it was something we never even thought about. I mean, because over just the last five or seven years, you know, the landscape of who's investing, I mean, that was the question we had talked about earlier, um, into the mental health and abuse space, it was very different what it looks like now. And a lot of that, I think, has been driven by tech. It's opened up so much more opportunities um, for yeah, others to work right. in the space as well. Yeah, the tech has really disrupted it. <clears throat> it's, it's been quite interesting. It's going to be cool to see how AI comes into play. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of AI potential. And um I haven't really found too many people talking about it yet, um, but I'm sure they're out there. They're probably a really good guest speaker, right? You figure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's fascinating to think what you can, I, I can't imagine everything you can do with AI in this, but we're talking with, uh, I had one conversation really talking about the drug um, packaging for people. Yeah. And, and so being able to plug in, I had a guest on a few weeks ago and he was talking about having all this data of all the kinds of people that, that, you know, really who they are and what, what formulas they're on, what mix they're on. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of, they're, you know, are their, their ethnicity, ethnicity. So, you know, and so they're trying to match all these variables. So a, a therapist, when they meet somebody, they can get 
a rough idea of what works for somebody like you. Yep. And that's what I think yeah. I listened to that actual conversation because I was like, that's very interesting. It's really interesting. <laughs> from, that, from that standpoint, at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the same conversation too, same gentleman uh, we were talking about, he was stitching together. It might've been a different story, but stitching together different components of a whole practice. So, so building practices, but by putting up disparate parts so that eating disorder therapist uh, with an IBT, you know, person, and then with a traditional, you know, talk mm -hmm. therapy person. So, you know, you end up with small practices that can grow and, but it can be really full service. Absolutely. Uh, really I, interesting. Mm -hmm. And that's another huge asset we're seeing is we're seeing a ton of integrated medicine, you know, yes, integrated, okay. health and primary care, which to me, it's probably 10 years past you there. And so we're starting to really see the push there. Um, you know, even from down to pain medicine doctors who are in, mm. hiring social workers, therapists inside their practice, because as we know, pain medicine, you know, medicine, a lot of times there's a high potential for abuse there. And so a lot of your bigger ones are employing these individuals to kind of help combat mm. that and try to limit it as much as possible before it gets to that point. And as well as in primary care, you know, I always make the joke in nursing school, we had a about a three hour, you know, segment on substance abuse and mental health from that kind of setting. And oh, that, that, that much. Yeah. It, we had one semester. <laughs> it was like your heavy psych. But when it comes to substance abuse specifically, we had like three hours of it. And I'm still friends with my old professor. I see her all the time. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's so dated to what we were teaching. I said, absolutely. <laughs> yes. you know? we, we have battles. I'm like, that's not right. She's like, oh, I know, I know. Um, this oh, that's so funny. Now, and so, you know, these primary care physician offices and primary nurse care practitioners are employing a behavioral health specialist, whether it's a psych NP or a social worker or a therapist in their practice, they're really integrating from a whole health perspective. I mean, I... I mean, for me, I don't know why if you're going into an emergency room, why you're not being screened for your mental health level. Right? Why is there not a score? Why is there not just a, I know the scorecards, right? There's all kinds of yeah, simple, simple two minute with a pen, pencil and piece of paper and flip a book and write a number down, circle some things. And so people, you know, a quick assessment. You're, you bring up something, which is one of my big, um, <clears throat> it's kind of one of my, my big theories, which is so much medical care money is really actually could have been avoided had we treated the mental health issues of people sooner. Right. And, you know, mm -hmm. because so much, you know, stress, so much of the stuff that we have going on in our brains ends up sh manifesting in some sort of physical ailment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, you know, so it's, I hope that the medical companies can get behind mental health a lot better. I mean, it's just such an easy win for them uh, to, 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 de to stop those things from coming. You know, you can stop a heart attack. Mm -hmm. Actually, and I think we're starting to really see the big shift and change now. I think even, you know, for our primary care physicians, they're being very much a lot more proactive about their mental health. Um, tell the story of my father who retired this past year. We've had the same physician since I was probably, we'll say 30 years. Um, okay. <laughs> and, uh, he was talking about dad. He said, Hey, so I hear you're retiring. My dad was 62. Okay. He said, yeah. He said, well, what are you going to do? Ooh, not that, not that question. Right. But I was kind of taking back. He's like, you know, what are you talking about? He said, what, what are you going to do for yeah, your what are you gonna health? Do? You know, you're so used to being so active, work all the time. Yeah. Go, go. 
What are you going to do for your mental health to keep you balanced? And even those just little conversations, you know, with a primary care physician that you trust, have those little conversations like, hey, I know, you know, I thought we were passed away. How are you feeling about things? You know, yeah. In those extra five minutes, and we're starting to see a big increase in just those services as well. Those are really, I mean, those are those are the important questions. How are you doing? Yeah. I, um, I had on, I did a, a chat with a, a lady, 75 years old, and she's starting kind of her own coaching business, mm-hmm. kind of getting it kicked off. She's got, man, she's got some spunk. And it was about seniors, a little bit around seniors, but not so much. But it dawned on me in the conversation mm-hmm. was that I haven't really looked at anything senior related. Yeah. And that's got to be an, I mean, if we have a mental health crisis with the gen pop, mm-hmm. right, just on average, imagine this tsunami we've got ready to hit the shores of these old folks' homes and nursing homes and hot and people just randomly showing up in the emergency room because that's just the only place they know where to go. Holy cow. Yeah, that's, it's another a, thing. Yeah, what? it's a whole different animal. It Isn't is. It? It is. And, you know, just our, our Jerry psych units that we help staff for, um, which is typically, right. you know, it's all usually Alzheimer's dementia type patients that fall into mm-hmm. those. Those are even getting more and more hit because as the baby boomer generation grows and ages, so do those service needs too. So as we focus yes. and talk yes. mostly about, you know, our gen pop or millennial or gen Z's, all, all of our gens yeah. right now, <laughs> that's another area that's not being talked about that much is that Jerry psych component. Um, and making sure we have enough beds for it. I talked to an individual um, the last few weeks. Her mom was waiting for a Jerry psych bed for three days in her local ER because there was none in the area. Absolutely none. And there was, she just had to be there. And that was unfortunate. That wasn't, you know, the best care that she needed for either. Um, So a desperate need for Jerry psych as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, that, and that's God, that's, that's really like, I mean, that's God's work. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, that is really, you've got to have a heart twice. Like you've got to be the Grinch, right? You got to be, have your heart grow 10 times big than, bigger than a normal heart. To absolutely. Do that work. And I think anyone who works in behavioral health, you have to have the heart for it. It's not, you, I'll tell anyone, you don't wake up and decide, you know, I'm going to work in behavioral health or substance use or with substance use patients hmm. for the rest of my life. There's a reason we do this. There's some calling, there's something, whether, you know, we experience something personally or a family member did yes. that something drives us there and it takes a special person for it. But also think so many times we talk about mental health, we think of what we see on TV so often at these lockdown facilities and, and they do exist, mm. but it's also so much more than that. Oh, yeah. um, and there was times I'll talk to nurses, like, is this a lockdown facility, you know, where we have to restrain people? I'm like, mm-hmm. this one, one may be, but these are these others aren't. And because I think that's it's so stigmatized from working with individuals suffering from behavioral health, they don't realize the actual gratitude that comes with it as well. Interesting. <clears throat> oh, the real human. I mean, there's real human moments in this, yeah. right? I mean, and there's a place where you touch. I mean, you can touch souls with another human. Absolutely. When you're, when you're at this level of, of communication. Yeah, because for so many people who are accessing services, they are coming in at the lowest of the lowest. Yeah. That's the lowest they've ever yeah. been. And, you know, whether it's two or three minutes, <clears> just <throat> talking to 
the janitor, you know, your kitchen people, everybody in a facility or in an office matters, whether it's a mm. secretary, they all matter. Um, years ago, I worked with an organization out of Tennessee, and I used to always make the joke that our our chef was a part of the clinical team. Yeah. Oh, she, yeah. They would go in there, and they would just have a conversation with her. And they didn't realize what was actually happening. They were just talking about how they were feeling, but it was not in a clinical setting. And so they were able to be very more vocal, more human about it, more humble, I mean, just more honest. And a lot of good, good things happen for those conversations. It is so cool, right? Yeah, that is a team. That's a full. And the chef's got to be there for the therapist, right? Yes. I mean, the chef, the, yeah, really has to be there because the therapist comes out of a room and is going, all right, that was crazy bananas. I got to tell somebody. I got to talk to somebody quick. Right. I got to find a human. They need that that few minutes just to, to debrief themselves as well. And, you know, that's to debrief anyone, you, yeah, anyone really debriefing yourself. Yes. Anyone who works it's, in behavioral health in any component, whether it's the inpatient, outpatient setting, a clinic, Every single staff member matters. I love that. Yeah, and I think that's that so important is, is, is to look at it, even you know, with customers I talk to, and I'm like, you know, we'll talk about just the therapist. Okay, tell me about like your front desk people. How are they? You know, let's see from the whole angle, and let's look at everything. You know, do we have the oh, yeah. right people in the right spots? I love that. I'm a big fan of that phrase: right person in the right spot. Mm -hmm. This is so under <laughs> so underestimated. <laughs> It really right? is. It really is. You know, just if, you know, you had that bad day and you pick up the phone and you call, you know, whether it's, you know, your local mental health office or a private practice group, whatever it may be. And that person who's answered that phone isn't kind, isn't patient. Yeah. It's pleasant. And if they dismiss you or if they're short, or if they're rude, that person may hang up and never access services. And maybe not for a long time. Right. So it truly right, like does. Right. When I say every person matters, every person on your team really does matter. Wow. What do you think it looks like? I mean, I asked you this question offline before. Um, do you think we're doing enough? I mean, there's a lot of people move. There's a lot of things moving, right? There's a lot of moving parts. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of new money. There's a lot of new people. Um, we're over the crisis of, of COVID. Um, but still the impact is there. So we don't have as many people with all the time on hand to talk to therapists. And so they're back, you know, a lot of people are back to doing just right. back to daily's life. But so are we, you know, are we doing enough to meet the crisis? Cause still there's only like 30% of the therapists, only 30% of the number we need relative to whatever the hundred per hundred thousand. Um, yeah. Are we doing enough? Is there an, I mean, is all this still enough? I would love to say yes, but parts of me don't feel that way. Um, no. You know, we have such a high need right now and trying to just have enough graduates and people enrolled in wanting to study these services. We have enough mm -hmm. these wanting to be a psych and be. We have huge need for them right now across the country. Enough therapists wanting to be therapists. You know, individuals are really seeking to work in that field mm. and just be able to have more dialogue with when it comes down to high school students, undergrad, about the possibilities of working in the field just because there's such a high demand right now. Um, and you could see all the way through high school, you'll still, you still need to recruit the next couple of generations. Absolutely. We're probably yeah. good five to 10 years, you know, yeah, away yeah. from really being fully staffed to meet the needs of the industry, I feel like. What other, I mean, do you see, are, are these other therapies going to make an inroad? I mean, is, is, 
are these platforms, the digital platforms, the group therapies, mm -hmm. you know, the, the better help of the world, mm -hmm. um, these remote, totally remote, totally mm -hmm. online and, and all the good and the bad that comes with that. Um, I was asking the, where I was going to go with the question with all, all of this, what do you think? I mean, do you think it's going to change? Is the delivery going to change? I don't think delivery will. I don't think so. Cause I think for certain people, telehealth is the best for them. And yeah. I think for certain people in person services are the best for them. And I think yeah. right now we're finally meeting a greater need. You know, we think of rural areas and, you know, so those dishes yeah. I spoke about earlier, we're finally meeting so many more patients now, but I also think it's still going to keep growing. And there's got to be a balance and need for both of those. Anything for you as a darling? Anything you've seen that you're like, oh, I really like this one. This is my favorite thingy. Anything new you've seen that, that you're infatuated with? The big thing I'm seeing right now is companies reinvesting back in their employees. You know, that's a conversation to have with all of our customers wow. we work with is, you know, what are you doing to better your employees? You know, is it benefits? Are we offering more tuition reimbursements to help lower mm. that? Um, what is your own mental well-being plans for your employees? <laughs> um, as again, you know, it's it's a burnout. It's a very heavy topic. Um, and what resources, how is that being communicated to your employees? Do they you know they have these resources? How often are they being utilized? Yeah. Um, because our therapists, they need help sometimes too. Um, they sit and hear, you know, some very tragic stories of, of individuals and they need to have the outlet to be able to debrief themselves as well. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would take this moment just to, to say I got huge amounts of respect for therapists and the work that, that they do, uh, the work that you all do for your Absolutely. listening. Um, I do, I do the podcast face to face and sometimes, you know, and, and a lot of the people I meet share stories, some rough stories, right? Their life stories and not unlike what a therapist would hear. Uh, but you know, Holy cow, if I do five in a week, I am brain dead. Yeah. Like I am, a, I mean, it's, and I don't think I've processed the first two and I still got the last one floating around in my head. Right. You know, and, and it's so, I don't know if that's good or bad because I think for, as a, I mean, as a therapist, I think you just roll into the next client. Right. right. And you got a fresh brain and you got a clean piece of paper and you're there for the client, but your own brain, you've still got somewhere back in this file, you got a box where you throw all these files in that are a little bit sensitive and you just throw it into the closet with all the other boxes, right. <laughs> messy papers, right? You know, you kind of open the closet door and you throw it in there. So I don't know how, I mean, you know, therapists, all of you therapists out there, God bless you. I got mad respect for you because I just, I see a crack of what you see. Yeah, absolutely. And always, you know, most organizations always offer services. If you ever need, please reach yeah. out to those. So they're, they're there for you. And because um, in burnout right now in this field is very high as well. Um, not even so much as coming in to the space, keeping mm -hmm. our individuals that are already there um, is another huge aspect of it as well. Yeah, that's interesting. What is the, do you have numbers on on the burnout rate? I mean, how, you know. I don't have them uh, currently. Curious. Um, I don't have them right now. Yeah, I mean, I'd be curious what's the five year trend. You know, if you if you you know, if this year ten thousand people start at their third mm -hmm. first job as a therapist, right? In five years, how many are still employed in the space? Yeah. It'd be a really interesting number to know. 
Absolutely it would, yeah. May not be a number we want to know. But May not be. be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, for you in some ways, in in a really in a in a sick way, it's okay for you because you know you got more people to hire. But if it was a if it, if we were at eighty percent capacity, that'd be fun. But we're we're at thirty percent, so it's right. not funny. It's not. Right. It's way less it's funny. Not, and it's not funny because anytime you know a therapist leaves the industry, it's one less person to help people who are struggling right now with mental health. Um, and so it's never a fun thing. When they leave, nor is it fun. When our psych nurses leave, they were very burnout during COVID. Um, mm. and we've all been aware. You hear the nursing, they're leaving in droves right now. Um, and that very much is the case. They're tired. And I think, you know, therapists, it'll be the same way with them as well. Yeah, they're, they're fried. I'm really sorry. I just realized I had some random banner up there for about the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> so the real, the real ad, it's mindfulrecruiting.com. Yeah. Not whatever. Yeah. Not whatever nonsense I had up there for 30 minutes. I'm not sure what you um, have. Yeah. Uh, feel free to reach us at Mindful Recruiting. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jessica Ashley. And I'm usually will always accept any requests and answer any messages and make them our way. Yeah. Just really good. I, Jessica, it's, it's already 30 minutes. 30 we're past the. Wow. Past it the, is past after. Yeah. Yeah. And it just zooms by. Um, interesting conversation. I got some good questions in. I think I think I feel a little bit better. I got some more knowledge. I'm 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 well armed for the next call. Good deal. Uh, um, closing thoughts? Any kind of closing my message or message for people or what? What can we do? What can anybody you know? Kind of anybody that's listens to this randomly in their car? Anything yeah. they can do in the mental health space to kind of do yeah. their part? Right. If you're in the car and you know you're looking for a career change, feel free to contact us. You know, most recruiters, we always reach out, you know, LinkedIn message or emails, check your spam folders. Um, Mm. So many, you know, positions may not be available right on the website of an organization. So always feel free to respond to your recruiters. If you're a customer looking to see, Hey, I'm really struggling. Feel free to reach out to us. Or if you're someone who's Mm. just really curious about working in mental health, I'd love to talk to you um, and tell you, you know, pros and cons. And if it would be a fit for you, If you're open to exploring it. That's great. That's not, that's really nice. That's really nice, Jessica. I, and look, it's a great career. Like you, you know, I think it's uh, you know, you only got 30% filled up super opportunity for somebody coming in. You've got the boomers coming out, mm-hmm. you know, boomers are coming in Gen Z and Gen X very open to mental health. So I think it's a great place. You can do really good work. Absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, and I think that's the one. Uh, one takeaway is, peeps. So many of my guests are like you; they've had some journey into this, mm-hmm. and they've decided, like you said, it's personal for a lot of people in the space. And you know, I think it's it's a uh, it's an interesting. There's not many spaces like this that I know mm-hmm. of. Where you need, you, you know what I mean? Where that is yeah, health. <laughs> I mean, healthcare to a degree, but not really as it's not as personal. And, no. and not as wide and not nowhere near as widespread. No, I also right? anyone, you know, behavioral health, you know, falls into the same umbrella as healthcare, but it, it's so different. It's it is so completely ex- different. Yeah. It's kind of funny. There's a lot of, there's a lot of doctors that are doctors because their daddies or mommies told them they should be a doctor. Uh, and there's a lot of therapists that are therapists because their mom or dad were, weren't, were not the best mom or dad for, for that person and they decided they want to try to help some other people become better parents. Right. It's I hate of, to agree with you, but it's true. Unfortunately, it's, 
Yeah, it's kind of true. But it's but that's a good thing, right? It's like yeah. humans trying to get better. It's like right. I saw my parents, you know, they were not as good as they, you know, they probably did better than their parents. Right. And, you know, and I want to learn how to be the best person or help other people become better humans. Um, Jessica, awesome conversation. Thanks so much for and thanks, thanks for what you're doing. Me. Staying in the space and, you know, and helping out. Thanks so much for having us. Today. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Go check out mindfulrecruiting.com or find Jessica uh, on LinkedIn and probably just you could Google her and I think you could find her mental health recruitment. She'll be somewhere. All those talks and speeches and everything else. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you, you don't even need an SEO. You're already there. Um, SEO, is, SEO is for people who aren't like you and they need your kind of positioning. Uh, thanks again, everybody. And uh, Jessica, hang around. I'll see you in 30 seconds. Bye, everyone. Bye. Yeah, loose, baby. But we're about to go and make this vessel with these great professionals yeah. in public glass. We're not part of the community, but we're from the outer family of glass blowing. Yeah, we're going to go make a magical giant jar with optic lenses so that if you turn it, it changes all the time. So if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change.